Welcome to the Middletown podcast. I'm Kat Hughes. I'm a member of the research department at Middletown, and I'm also autistic. In this episode, we're talking about employment in the performing arts. I chatted to researcher Ellie Buckley about her work in the area. She has some practical ideas for employers and also ideas for young people who want to get involved in the arts. I began by asking her what got her started researching the topic. Originally, I was just interested in autism. Um, it, I wasn't specific. I didn't have a kind of specific um, tie with the arts, um, but I saw a PhD advertised at UCL that was kind of looking at um, the kind of experience of people working in the arts and studying the arts. I thought it sounded really interesting because to me that was really new. I hadn't, I wasn't really like aware of autistic people in the arts before I started this research. Um, so it was kind of exciting. It, it, it's come from actually RADA, the theatre school. They had been seeing more autistic students come through their school. And they were kind of, they were seeing that there were some challenges and they weren't totally sure how to support them. And so there were people there who kind of connected with people at UCL and went, actually, I think we need some research to kind of better understand the needs of our autistic students. And that's how the kind of PhD got set up. And then then I was the one who applied and, and kind of got the job as it was. Amazing. Because I remember when I when I saw the research that you were doing, I was so excited because I think there's people think so much about sort of autism and tech. And that it's sort of we're we're very sort of crowbarred into a particular industry. So I was really excited to see someone looking at those sort of creative arts and performing arts, because I think there are so many of us involved in those things. So before you started, did we know much at all about autism and the performing arts? No, not in a formal sense. Like, mm. I think, you know, for, for, for people who are in the industry, they're aware that they're there, that they know of people who are there. But in terms of the research, no, there's pretty much nothing that looked at autistic people working or studying in the arts. There wasn't any kind of formal recognition of that. And, you know, and when you look, for those kind of, you know, what's out there in research. They're looking at those kind of like drama for children or, or autistic, like, you know, therapy, drama-based therapy, but no, that, that there really wasn't anything. And I think, like you said, there was a kind of general assumption that autistic people, they were going into employment, which also was something that was massively underestimated. You know, even now, like research is just trying to show how many autistic people are out there in employment you know, they weren't going into arts and creative careers. They were in computing, they were in math, they were in kind of detail focused, you know, kind of not very social careers or careers that required that kind of, you know, or associated with that kind of sociability. So yeah, no, there was pretty much nothing. So which was quite nice because it was, you know, easy to do something novel and new. Yeah, you had you had the whole, a world of possibilities ahead of you. Yeah. Um, so I know one part of your research looked at sort of autistic traits in the performing arts. How did you go about that and what did you find in that? So I did two studies there. I basically, I did two big online surveys. I did a survey of people working in the performing arts in the UK. I did a survey for people who were studying in the performing arts in the UK. And when I talk about study, I mean like higher education, like the um, in terms of the arts, and that could be like technical or or kind of performing. Um, and I was I was trying to both look. I was trying to essentially prove that autistic people were out there in the arts in the first place in a formal sense, because um, like I said, you know there wasn't that kind of like formal proof in the in the in the research literature. And then also I looked at autistic traits because I kind of wanted to get a sense of like 
how those traits were lining up with things like mental health and well-being and need for support because you know we kind of there were several reasons I both looked at whether someone had an autism diagnosis and whether someone had a bunch of traits is because you know a you're not necessarily going to reach that many autistic people and I wanted to kind of get a broad sense of what the arts is looking like and also you know people with high levels of autistic traits there are some suggestions that they might experience some challenges in kind of similar areas to autistic people and you can kind of map those things so I wanted to look at that and also there are a lot of autistic people without their diagnosis for a variety of reasons like they might not know they're autistic they might be waiting on a waiting list they might be, be overlooked for some reason and so kind of looking at autistic traits like allowed me to kind of get kind of cast the net as widely as possible uh, to kind of understand the experience of people working in the arts and so what I found was that autistic traits are kind of correlated with kind of mental health and well-being. And unfortunately, the higher your autistic traits, the lower your well-being, the lower your mental health, the more likely you are to want support, but you're not more likely to receive it than someone with low autistic traits. Um, so it's kind of, but it was, it was the first time that that was shown in that population. So now we've got we've got something to say about the performing arts population. Exactly. So you kind of you built that foundation where we can we can go from yeah. there in terms of where we research next. So I know you also looked at sort of the the idea of getting that support and mentorship for um, autistic uh, people who are just sort of entering into the performing arts. So can you tell us a bit, a bit more about that research as well? Yeah, so that was the kind of final study, like the finale study of my PhD. Um, and kind of before that, what I'd done is a series of interviews with people, autistic people who'd worked in the arts and then employers as well. Kind of to, and, you know, I was very focused on the autistic people and what they were saying about what they wanted in terms of support. And something that came up a lot in those interviews was, oh, I want someone to consult about my career. I want someone to troubleshoot social difficulties at work with. I want to get practical advice on things like writing grant applications. So essentially all of those things could have potentially been covered by a professional mentor. So I was like, okay, right, let's try and set this up. Let's test out this type of support. You know, I had a small budget, so I was able to kind of set up a mentoring scheme. And, um, and then again, like looking at the research, there's very little on mentorship for autistic people, like, people aren't researching it much and they definitely haven't done anything for people working in the arts and creative industries specifically. So first I went about recruiting the mentors. And one thing that was kind of really pertinent was I was trying to kind of recruit as many autistic mentors as I could, you know, so I ended up hiring 11 mentors for the program and three of those mentors were autistic themselves. Um, so that was quite exciting, you know, and then the mentoring program itself, uh, it ran so that the mentees and the mentors, they met online once every two weeks. They could talk about anything to do with work in the arts. And it was kind of, and then, you know, what I was looking to find out from that process was, does this mentoring scheme work? What are the practical difficulties in running this? Is this the kind of support that lines up with what you said you wanted? Um, you know, where are the areas that need to be changed? And does it improve your workplace self-confidence? Because like linking it back to that big survey I'd done, you know, I was seeing that there was low workplace self-confidence in people with high autistic traits and probably likely autistic people. So I was like, well, can we improve it if I offer you some mentorship? And then, you know, I found some really lovely results 
So, you know, a lot of people were just saying, yes, my confidence has been really boosted through having a mentor, you know, and, and some people involved in the scheme were really touched. They're like, this is the first time I've received some tailored support, uh, you know, and it was kind of, and then there were also benefits for the mentors, you know, not, like I said, most of the mentors were not autistic themselves. And I think for the non-autistic mentors, they definitely learned a lot from their mentees. And in terms of, they were all, performing arts professionals they weren't just mentors and so they're going back and they're taking those experiences back to their other environment and hopefully providing better support to future autistic employees and colleagues that they might work with so that was really really exciting I think another kind of key finding was that like the good communication is key and flexibility is needed in support you know it was kind of it was very much you know, that where we always talk about autism being like a highly varied condition and everyone's different, has different needs. And that was definitely the case with this mentoring programme. Some people got on really well with it. Some people, it, it didn't work so well, you know, for a variety of reasons. They might didn't get on with the mentor or the, the, the timing of the scheme wasn't right. And they're like, this just isn't the right point in my career for this. So, you know, like it, I'd say overall, it was a really positive thing. And I think mentoring is a fantastic way to support people but it's not it's not suitable for everyone sure and I'm, I'm I'm sure there are lessons from that that could be applied across industries as well I mean I'm sure that sort of mentorship idea could be brought into other industries and did you find that there was a difference between the the autistic mentors and non-autistic mentors in terms of anything that 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 happened there because I know for myself I don't know if it's like a double empathy thing or what it might be, but I, I kind of immediately would be drawn to an autistic mentor, I think, because there's that sort of level of explaining that you don't have to do. So did you find any of that? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, you, you said that time double empathy, like Daniel Milton's kind of you know term and that kind of innate understanding that someone with lived experience can offer to someone else. And yes, all the, all the mentees who've had an autistic mentor did talk about that, that that was a really positive aspect of their mentorship was having that connection and having a mentor with lived experience who understood what they needed. And they didn't have to kind of over-communicate some of the things that were quite obvious. So they had to spend less time explaining essentially what the autistic experience is like. So, yeah, I mean, I think definitely where possible, pairing up autistic people with other autistic people makes a huge amount of sense. But the reality is it was quite hard to recruit um, autistic mentors to the scheme you know pe- people aren't always out there people aren't always open you know especially when we think about disclosure even when autistic people are working in professional environments they're not necessarily going to advertise the fact that they're autistic so you know it's kind of even finding people to come in and, and offer that mentorship can be quite tricky sometimes yeah and then I suppose as you say the learning that the non-autistic mentors got from it as well was probably huge and probably had a, a huge impact on, on how they're still working now, which is amazing. And is there any advice that you think people who are in that sort of mentorship, sort of more advanced in their careers position could take from the research um, to make what they're doing more inclusive? Um, I think it was it was always kind of what what was coming out of this was always individualized support really look at the individual talk to the individual don't make assumptions um 
you have to actually ask the person what their needs are because like again not just from the mentoring scheme but also from my interviews um with autistic people who were working in the arts you know there was kind of some people just want greater understanding some people like oh if my if my colleagues my employer just knew a bit more about autism that would be enough but some people need want really practical support like they're like no actually I need a quiet space to go into work to just take some chill time I actually don't want to travel to work at like rush hour because it's too stressful and then I'm stressed at work you know from my journey um you know so it's kind of I think you have to yeah you always have to apply kind of very individualized support and just ask ask the individual what they need and what they want and and also offer them you know I think like there's two levels to this because I know that one criticism of asking the individual what they need is they don't always know what they need so I think come with a list of ways that you could support someone and then say would any of these work for you but don't assume that you know what they need yeah that makes huge sense because I think even if you're asked you almost don't know what's appropriate to then say would would be handy or whether something is too big to ask for so yeah if you're offered that list I think it would make a, a massive difference definitely even as a starting point if nothing else um, and then on the flip side I suppose is there anything that you know a, a young person who's thinking of starting out in the performing arts or a parent who wants to support their young person is there anything that they can take from the research that that might make their journey that bit easier um I think you can do it there are people know that there are people out there and the feeling of isolation in the arts is very common it's not just autistic people that feel that way I think that was something that struck me when I did that big online survey I wasn't just getting the the opinions and experiences of autistic was getting a lot of non-autistic people's experiences and a lot of people do feel isolated so it's kind of understanding that that's a common experience but you're not actually alone and seek out others seek out your elders in the profession get on google get on twitter there is a community out there but they're not necessarily immediately obvious um you know and a kind of some of the organizations i came across during my research really helpful like there was Flow Observatorium. I can't, I'm not sure I've said that right. That's a charity that works and support neurodivergent artists. There was Accessible Areas. That's a performance company that supports autistic people and people with learning disabilities as well. And they, they, you know, they support them to work in the arts with conscious. And they also have a diploma that you can do at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama in London. Um, and then there are neurodivergent mentors out there too. Like, for example, there's uh, a team called Cordial Fox. And if that's financially available to you, that can also be a great help. Because I think, it, you know, I think, yeah, when you do get into your workplaces, not all workplaces will be able to offer the same level of support. You know, the arts, as we all know, is like critically underfunded and, and kind of a bit haphazard. And, you know, if you're going into a smaller organisation, it probably is about looking for that support outside of your workplace, finding your peers and also finding the kind of other professionals who can help you. Fantastic. That's brilliant. Um, and then I suppose my, my last question is something I love asking people who've been like deep in autism research, where would you like to see things go next? That's, that's, a t- that's kind of tough one. Like for me, because, because it was all coming down to support, I would just like to see bigger studies that look at support. Like I said, you know, I ran a very small scale mentoring scheme and kind of, you know, found some really positive things but also some things to work on in the future and you know 
I would like to see a mentoring scheme that was just much bigger. I'd like to see arts organisations fund mentorship and kind of really examine whether that's helpful and useful. Um, yeah, and then also, you know, other types of support, like, you know, in the end, because I also looked at the experience of employers and employers and how they can engage with supporting autistic workers. And it was a bit of a mixed bag. Um, you know, some employers are there going, yeah, yeah, of course, just put it on a website or give me a book to read, but you don't know how much they'll actually engage with that. So I'd love to see kind of deeper research into how we can get employers engaged with supporting their autistic employees. Thanks a million to Ellie for taking the time to chat to us about some of her research. You can find links to her papers and information on how you can follow her work in the episode notes. Thanks so much to you for joining us for another episode of the Middletown podcast.